There are souls to rescue, there are souls to save. Send the light, send the light, send the light. The blessed gospel light, let it shine from shore to shore. Send the light, the blessed gospel light, let it shine forevermore. We have heard the Macedonian call today. Send the light, send the light. And a golden offering at the cross we lay. Send the light, send the light, send the light. The blessed gospel light, let it shine from shore to shore. Send the light, the blessed gospel light, let it shine forevermore. Let us pray that grace may everywhere abound. Send the light. And a Christ-like spirit everywhere be found. Send the light. Send the light. Send the light. And bless the gospel. Let it shine from shore to shore. Send the light, the blessed gospel light, let it shine forevermore. On that last 656, let us not grow weary in the work of love. Send the light, send the light, let us gather jewels for a crown above. Send the light, send the light, send the light. The gospel light, let it shine from shore to shore. Send the light, the blessed gospel light, let it shine forevermore. And let's turn over to 670. Now, this may be somewhat of a new song for some of you. 670. Beautiful hymn. It's kind of got a jumpy little tune there, so you got to pay close attention. And uh, it'll be a lot of fun if we get it going here. Here we go. You may have the joy bells ringing in your heart, and a peace that from you never will depart. Walk the straight and narrow way, live for Jesus every day. He will keep the joy bells ringing in your heart. Joy bells ringing in your heart. Joy bells ringing in your heart. Take the Savior here below with you everywhere you go. He will keep the joy bells ringing in your heart. Now. I'm going to teach you a little music theory tonight, all right? You see that little DS at the very end? That means go to the sign, and the middle of the third line, you see a funny-looking S turned sideways. That's the sign. And so when you get to the last phrase, you go back, and then you see that little word fine, if you know Italian uh, or Latin, uh, that means the end of the song is in the third line there. And so let's try that first verse one more time, and then we'll sing a few other ones. How many of you are getting this? Kind of, sort of, maybe? Just a little bit? It's a beautiful song. Let's try it again, all right? You may have the joy bells ringing in your heart, and a peace from you that never will depart. Walk the straight and narrow way, live for Jesus every day. He will keep the joy bells ringing in your heart. Joy bells ringing in your heart. Joy bells ringing in your heart. Take the Savior here below with you everywhere you go. He will keep the joy bells ringing in your heart. Are we okay? Try number two? Okay, here we go. Love of Jesus in its fullness you may know. Love of Jesus in its fullness you may know. And this love to those around you sweetly show. Words of kindness always say. Deeds of mercy do each day. Then he'll keep the joy past. 
heart. Joy bells ringing in your heart. Joy bells ringing in your heart. Take the Savior here below with you everywhere you go. Then he'll keep the joy bells ringing in your heart. On that third, you will meet with trials as you journey home. Grace sufficient he will give you to overcome. Though unseen by mortal eye, he is with you ever nigh. And he'll keep the joy bells ringing in your heart. Joy bells ringing in your heart. Joy bells ringing in your heart. Take the Savior here below with you everywhere you go. And he'll keep the joy bells ringing in your heart. Let your light speak well of Jesus every day. Own his right to every service you can pay. Sinners you can help to win if your life is pure and clean. And you'll keep the joy bells ringing in your heart. Joy bells ringing in your heart. Joy bells ringing in your heart. Take the Savior here below with you everywhere you go. And he'll keep the joy bells ringing in your heart. We've got to work on that one a little bit, but it's a great song. Let's turn to 595. Thy word have I hid in my heart, 595. This is a song we not only need to sing every once in a while, we need to live every day, amen. 595. Thy word is a lamp to my feet, a light to my path away, to guide and to save me from sin and show me the heavenly way. Thy word have I hid in my heart That I might not sin against thee That I might not sin Sin thy word have I hid in my heart Forever, O Lord, is thy word Established and fixed on high Thy faithfulness unto all men Abideth forever nigh. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. That I might not sin, that I might not sin. Thy word have I hid in my heart. At morning, at noon, and at night, I ever will give thee praise. For thou art my portion, O Lord, and shall be through all my days. Thy word have I hid in my heart, that I might not sin against thee. That I might not sin, that I might not sin. Thy word have I hid in my heart on that last through him whom thy word hath foretold, the Savior and morning star, salvation and peace have been brought to those who have strayed afar. Thy word have I hid in my heart, that I might not sin against thee, that I might not sin, that I might not sin, Thy word have I hid in my heart. Amen. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this service tonight and each one that is here. We ask that you would bless us as we examine your word. We ask that you would use it to build us, to teach us, to warn us, to strengthen us that we may be your servants. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. 
And just to let you know what's happening is next Thursday night, one week from today, uh, Brother Marshall will be preaching the evening service. And Friday night after the uh, evening service, we're going to try to have a teen fun time, all right? So I don't know what else to call it, but uh, uh, if you're teens and you're here, uh, you haven't... uh, I guess we'll cut it off at 20 if you haven't turned 20 yet uh, or graduated college, which you shouldn't be able to do at 20 years old. Uh, We want you to to be here after the service Thursday night and then Saturday morning, men, uh, we're going to have a breakfast. And uh, I already talked to one of our chefs. I'm going to try to bug a few others here and see if we can put on a good feed bag. And then ladies... Uh, we're going to have a lunch for you. You say, well, what about the preaching? Well, Brother Marshall always preaches great, so we just got to worry about the food, and uh, then the preaching will be good, and then Mrs. Marshall's going to speak to the ladies, and uh, we'll have a lunch for the ladies about noon on Saturday, and then Sunday morning, uh, Brother Marshall's going to be preaching, and Sunday night, and we'll just have a good time in the Lord. And, of course, the sisters are going to be bringing their instruments and doing music. And I don't know if they, if they said they're going to get you guys in on the show or not. I guess nobody knows. So we'll find out whether we'll have three sisters singing or five sisters singing, all right? And um, we'll have a great time. Always have uh, when Brother Marshall is here. And so looking forward to that next week. And, of course, our regular services. Please keep one thing in prayer with the building renovations. Uh, I want to get to the point to where I don't have to give you any more building renovation updates. That would be so wonderful, would it not? Uh, But uh, uh, tomorrow, the people from the partition company are supposed to be coming, and this is supposed to be the last time they're in the building. Would you pray they get it done and get it done right, please? Um, they have a vested interest. We're still holding a third of the payment, which we're not giving them until they finish the job. Uh, But uh, they told us originally when we ordered the partitions in February, everything would be done either the last week of May or the first week in June. Then it was, well, the last week in June. Then it was, well, in July and Uh, You know, the rest of the story, as Paul Harvey says, we're still working on it. So pray uh, that tomorrow when this guy comes, he'll be able to uh, put these things together and we'll finally be able to pay them their money and be done with uh, the company. The, the The fellow that runs the office said, well, our jobs normally don't run this way. And I said, I would hope not. You wouldn't be in business very long if all of your jobs were like this one. And so uh, just uh, pray about that. And and Brother Shaw and I will be working again tomorrow. We're trying to frame the windows in down there and start dressing the place up and doing the finish work. So pray that uh, we can move a little faster than we have been and get this thing done. All right, let's turn to 482. One more song before we get into our Bible study tonight. More about Jesus, 482. Let's sing all four verses. More about Jesus would I know. More of his grace to others show. More of his saving fullness see. More of his love who died for me. More, more about Jesus. More, more about Jesus. More of his saving fullness see. More of his love who died for me. More about Jesus, let me learn. More of his holy will discern. Spirit of God, my teacher be. Wing the things of Christ to me. More, more about Jesus. More, more about Jesus. Saving fullness see. More of his love who died for me. More about Jesus in his word, holding communion with my Lord, hearing his voice in every 
line, making each faithful saying mine. More, more about Jesus, more, more about Jesus, more of his saving from that sea, more of his love who died for me. More about Jesus on his throne, riches in glory all his own. More of his kingdom sure increase, more of his coming prince of peace. More, more about Jesus, more, more about Jesus. More of his saving from the sea, more of his love who died for me. Amen. You may be seated. And once again, Hebrews chapter 5. We may actually have hope of finishing this. If you would like an outline there, uh, Brother Ted has them and he'll pass them out. Um, Hebrews chapter 5. And we'll take just a moment here and do a little bit of review. We want to the context uh, to, to be burned into your heart and into your life, uh, the purpose of understanding God's Word is not to gain knowledge. The purpose of understanding God's Word is to change behavior, is to set a course of action for our life. Um, I often... Uh, in the discipleship, those that have gone through, you'll hear me repeatedly say, if your study and understanding of the scriptures does not alter the way you live, then you need to go back and you need to spend some time uh, deciding whether your study of the scriptures is actually worthwhile or not. Uh, because just the idea of imparting knowledge for the sake of imparting knowledge, what does the Bible say? Knowledge what? Puffeth up. But charity, love in action, is what charity is. That's why we call them charitable organizations today. Is because they are organizations that are actually supposed to be doing something to help people. Amen? Uh, many charitable organizations don't do things to help people, or at least not for free. Um, and it's interesting, probably one of the largest charitable organizations in the world is the Red Cross. Uh, but you have to pay for everything you get from the Red Cross, just about. Uh, the blood that you donate, they charge for. Uh, it, it's, 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 that's just the way it works. Uh, I'm glad when God does charity, it's for real. Amen. It is the real thing. And God has given us in the first four chapters of Hebrews an outline of his gift to us. The greatest gift, of course, is the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. God's living revelation. As Peter said, uh, we've not followed cunningly devised fables. He says, we were eyewitnesses. John said, whom our hands have handled. We actually reached out and touched him. And this revelation is not only our revelation, he is our high priest. And it tells us that we are to boldly come before unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy to help in a time of need. We may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. I'll get it right here. And then we go into chapter 5 where this is the fourth lesson we've been in chapter 5, the first lesson we spent going about the high priest, what a high priest is, what a high priest functions, and, and it gives us a general uh, overview of the fact that the high priest is supposed to offer offerings to God for others. He offers offerings, payment for sacrifices, payment for sin, gifts, Honor and worship in verse 1. And normally a high priest is a human being. He must offer sacrifices both for himself and for the people that 
he goes to God on their behalf. But it says here in verse 4, No man taketh this honor unto himself, but he that is called of God, as was Aaron. No one can say. Uh, this is one of the ways that you can know uh, that these people are false prophets is when somebody starts telling you how much they know about God and how much they have from God. Um, let me see, who was it? Amy Simple McPherson's, anybody remember her? Um, she was a quote-unquote prophetess, and she went around telling that God had given her all of these revelations and all of these special things. In fact, she founded her own religion. Uh, if you're ever driving down the road and you see a church that says Four Square Gospel Church, that's connected to Amy Simple McPherson. How many other husbands she had, we don't know. Uh, she was not a moral lady. She was not a righteous lady. She was not a good woman at all. But she went around spending her whole life telling everybody about herself. Jesus never did that, amen? He did not glorify himself. That's what it says here in verse 5. We have the job of glorifying Jesus Christ, amen? And then last Thursday night we spent the time talking about the prayer in Gethsemane, in verse 7, it says, Who in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplications with strong crying and tears unto him that was able to save him from death and was heard in that he feared. God heard Jesus' prayer in the garden. Was Jesus afraid of the cross? Absolutely ridiculous. Jesus... Isaiah chapter 11 was in the fear of the Lord. He took God's judgment for us. He hated sin enough. Proverbs chapter 8, the fear of the Lord is to hate evil. He hated sin enough to go to the cross in our place. Then we come to verse 8, where we're starting tonight. Though he were a son. Now, the thing that we want to get here established here is it's, it is saying he already was the son of God. And any questions about that, go back to verse 5. It says, Thou art my son, today I have begotten thee. Does anybody remember where that was? Psalm chapter 2, a thousand years before Christ. Jesus, God had already uttered those words. It says, though he were a son, verse uh, 1 and 2 of Hebrews chapter 1, says that he revealed himself to us. It says, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 2. It is establishing the fact that Jesus did not, was in the, um, excuse me, let me start the sentence right. Jesus was not in the process of becoming something more than he already is. And the reason why we use the present tense is because we are referring to the Lord Jesus Christ and he always is present tense, past, present, and future. He always is. Uh, I like to say it, he was, is, he is, is, and always will be, is. And uh, uh, we had a president that couldn't define the word, but Jesus knows what it means, amen? Uh, the simple truth of the matter here is, though he were a son... Yet learned he obedience by the things which he suffered. Now, when we think of this idea called learning, we, uh, we have, uh, let's see, Gabriella's in her last year of school, and I think uh, Charlene's got, what, two more years of her college class, and 
you are learning because you don't know. Is that the type of learning Jesus is doing in verse 8? He already knew because he's God. Amen. So what, the, what is the author of Hebrews trying to tell us? There had to come a time when these events were literally fulfilled. You know, so every once in a while in school, we'd have a teacher or a professor that would grant us a little leniency. You ever have one of those? It says, what we're going to do is we're just going to take this last test and pass it out and everybody passes the last test. Wouldn't that be wonderful? Anybody ever have that happen? No, not in this life. Listen. Jesus had to walk Calvary's road, literally. He had to be nailed to the cross. He had to bear his back to those that would beat him. He had to hold up his face to those who would spit in it and pluck his hair out because those were all prophecies that had to be fulfilled. Jesus had a duty. Let's turn to Philippians chapter 2, a parallel passage here. And one of the rules of studying your Bible is when you're in a difficult passage, find another one that talks about the same thing and it will make it a little easier to understand. Philippians chapter 2, verse 5, it says, Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. Now, verse 8, And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself, and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Now, Paul is telling us here in the book of Philippians, this is what it, the writer of Hebrews is talking about. He learned obedience in the things that... Uh, he yet learned he obedience by the things which he suffered. It says that Jesus humbled himself and became obedient to death, even the death of the cross. And as we said, I'd like to, one of the neat things about pastoring this church is most of us were saved. Uh, here and most of our Christianity is right here and so I don't have to spend a whole lot of time unteaching a whole lot of strange things. In fact, when I mention them, people look at me, you mean somebody would actually say that uh, the devil was trying to kill Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane before he got to the cross? Yeah, people actually have written commentaries on that. Uh, that wasn't what was happening. Jesus was in control of the situation every moment. God's plan and God's love and God's salvation was not hanging by the slender thread of human reasoning or human anything. It was established, preordained, and by the way, we don't go to the other extreme. God did not preordain sin. He did not preordain failure and sinners. God gives us a choice. But when it came to our salvation and the work that Jesus did, there was no choice for Jesus Christ. He learned obedience because he did it. Amen? He humbled himself and he became obedient to death in the fact that he experienced it. It says he tasted death for all men. If you or I were to taste of death, that would be it. Because we're not gods. We are human beings and very mortal ones at that. Somebody said, I don't, I'm, I'm strong and I'm healthy. And I said, listen, if you're not careful, I said you could trip off the sidewalk and poke a hole in that thing and all the sap would run out and you'd be dead in three minutes. You know that? 
Listen, you are not invincible. Amen? We are very mere mortals. Jesus is very God. He learned obedience, verse 9 says, and being made perfect. Now, we have to understand the word perfect. It simply means complete. Uh, we have this idea, we have modified the word perfect to the point to where the word perfect is absolutely meaningless today. If you were to take a... Uh, piece of steel and polish that piece of steel to where it just shone like a mirror. Put it under a magnifying glass and it would look like the craters on the moon because man cannot make anything perfect is what we say. The IRS calls you up. We want to look at your taxes. Guess what? You can't do everything perfect because they have contradictory laws. And we've made the word perfect absolutely meaningless in modern day society. The word perfect in 1611 was before the advent of tort lawyers. Amen? Uh, those are the ambulance chaser guys that come around and all of this stuff. Uh, it was before... We had the ACLU come along and try to redefine every word. The word perfect just simply meant complete, finished, done. There's nothing needed. There's nothing wanting. It is finished. Uh, I think I heard those words somewhere before. Amen. Amen. Jesus being made perfect because the work was done. If you're saved today, it's not because of what you've done. It's because what Jesus has done. Amen? You cannot add to his works. You cannot help him. The only thing he wants you to do is ask him for that salvation. Is to believe that he can give it. Amen? That's all there is to salvation. It is so simple because Jesus perfected the work, it says he became the author of eternal salvation. Now, I love my King James Bible. I love the wording in there, the beauty. He became, it says, the author of eternal salvation. Now, there's many people that have been saved from one thing or another uh, over the period of times. There have been many people that have been saved from drowning. Uh, we have an EMT here tonight who has helped save lives. But that's not the kind of salvation that Jesus is the author of. Amen? Because no matter how many times you rescue a human being, they're going to die one day. I used to work in a nursing home. And uh, I'll tell you one thing. Uh, there were some people in there that you just had no clue as to how they were alive. I mean, they, they were so sick, their body was racked with disease, cancer was eating them up, literally. Uh, I remember taking one, care of one guy that had almost no insides. I mean, they were all gone. I said, how in the world is this guy even alive? But he was. But let me tell you something, when he died, he was dead. He, uh, there's a difference. Jesus is the author of eternal salvation. And oftentimes trying to help people understand the word eternal, I'll reach into my pocket or desk and pull out a pen and say, could we pretend for a moment this pen is an eternal pen? And they'll say, well, why? I said, I just want to illustrate the word eternal for you for a moment. I said, now, if this were truly an eternal pen and you took it home and it stopped writing... I lied, right? Well, of course. The eternal pen writes forever. I said, if you drop it on the subway tracks and one of them big trains comes running over top of it, I mean just crunchity crunch crunch and there's nothing but a little greasy spot on the rail, is it an eternal pen? Absolutely not. 
If that train ran over the pen and it ceased being a pen, then it's not eternal. If you tied it to the uh, end of uh, a test missile, uh, not like North Korea's that fail after eight seconds, but a real one and, and blew it up, and that pen didn't write, would it be an eternal pen? No. Because if you could do anything to stop that pen from writing, no matter what it was, it would not be an eternal pen. Isn't that correct? Now, we're getting ridiculous because people get really ridiculous when it comes to an eternal salvation, don't they? Well, Jesus gives you eternal life as long as you stay in the way. Well, if you get out of the way and lose it, can it be eternal? No, it's not. Somebody said, well, Jesus holds you in his hand, but it doesn't say that you, can, you can't jump out of his hand and leave his salvation. Well, wait a minute. Number one, if you understand what salvation really is and you really have it, you would never, ever leave it. You say, well, people do stupid things. Well, the Bible says that if we fail to believe he abides faithful, he will not deny his own. Amen? When he talks about an eternal salvation, he is meaning an eternal salvation forever, for all eternity. Jesus wrote it. If you, and when we get to Hebrews chapter 6, which is coming up very close we're going to examine this thing of losing your salvation in the very passage most people go to, which is in Hebrews chapter 6, saying, you can lose your salvation. Right there it says, um, if, if they shall fall away in verse 6. Well, we're going to read that. We're going to put it in context. And we're going to understand that the Bible is really saying, you can't fall away once you really have it. You can do bad things. Christians sin. I wish that weren't true, don't you? Wouldn't it be wonderful if the moment you trusted Jesus, you never had to battle with sin again? But that's not reality. The Bible teaches that we have to confess our sins to God, but if we die before we confess a sin, do we lose our salvation? No, because it's eternal. Amen? It's not dependent upon your confession. It's dependent upon Jesus' payment, His perfection, His obedience. And so as we look through here, it says, He became the author of eternal salvation unto all them. Uh-oh. Now we have a qualification here. Now we have a limitation on this people to whom Jesus gives this eternal salvation unto all them that... Oh boy, now that next word. That is a four-letter word. Did you see that? I mean, it is one of the nastiest words in the English language, is it not? Obey. My children, when they hear that, Philip, turn around. Thank you. Provided a good illustration. Obey means to do what you are told. Do we need to get out the Greek lexicon and look up the roots of that word? You know, one of the reasons why people like to do that is because we like to explain away things. We like to make excuses. I don't believe there's any nation on the face of this earth or in the history of mankind that has more or varied excuses than that of the American people. You ever thought about that? I mean, we've got more excuses and more reasons for not doing what we ought to do than anybody else. And in New York City, uh, we have hundreds of thousands of laws and every one of them has exceptions. You know, it is against the law to park in front of the church in the no parking zone in front of the church unless you have a city-issued permit that allows you to park in the no parking zone. Now, I'll tell you what, I'm glad that we have one of those for the church van. It's very nice. 
because it's a $110 parking ticket every time they catch you parking in that space. It's a wonderful thing to have that permit. But we have so many excuses, so many reasons, so many little things that we get so confused that we no longer obey anything. That's why we need to get back to the Bible, amen? That's why we just need to get simple life. It says, He is the author of eternal salvation unto all them that obey Him. There is no salvation for those who refuse to obey Christ. Now this begs a question. One that I get asked on a fairly regular basis. It says, you believe that the only way to, th uh, to heaven is through Jesus Christ. Well, what about someone that grows up in a Muslim country and never hears about Jesus? They don't go to heaven. Because he is the author of eternal salvation unto them that obey him. And you cannot obey Jesus and the Quran at the same time. They are mutually exclusive documents. And by the way, you will hear about a false Jesus. Uh, Andrew, let's help this situation out here. Uh, you will hear about a false Jesus in the book of the Quran. You will hear uh, about a great prophet and a great teacher. You will hear many things. But here's what the Bible says. Romans chapter 1 gives us the answer. It says that the invisible things of him from the creation are seen by... I'm not quoting it right. I'm sorry. I hate to misquote the Bible. Romans chapter 1. Let's turn there quickly. I think we're going to finish Roman, uh, Hebrews 5 tonight, if I can get moving here. Romans chapter 1, verse 19, Because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God hath showed it unto them, for the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. There is no excuse because all you have to do is look up into the sky at night and you have to know that there is a God. You have to train yourself. In fact, you want to know why they start teaching about evolution in kindergarten? Because it takes a mind that is not formed enough to be able to think cognitive reasoning thoughts to accept evolution. These people know what they're doing. And then they wonder why they act like animals when they get to be 16 years old. It's because they were taught that they're animals all their life. Hey, come on, let's just put two and two together and get four instead of five or six. Amen? Uh, the, the simple truth of the matter is what we need to understand is that if you're going to get saved... You have to obey Jesus Christ. End of sentence. End of discussion. End of theology lesson. End of all the arguments. It is the end. You've got to obey Jesus. And if you don't want to obey Jesus with your life, don't pretend that you're saved. Because you're not. Well, I just keep struggling. Well, join the group. We're human beings. We all struggle, amen? But if your life is characterized by sin, if that is what your life is about, you're not obeying Christ. If you're not obeying Christ, you're not saved because he's the author of eternal salvation unto all them that... Obey him. God is serious about this book called the Bible. He's not playing games. 
He said what he meant and he meant what he said. He doesn't want you taking this book and saying, well, the real spiritual meaning behind believe on the Lord Jesus Christ is feel good about God. No, no, it's believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and not the church and not yourself and not some crazy professor or some idiot on television or radio or anything else. It's believe on the Lord Jesus Christ because he is the author of eternal salvation unto all them that obey him called of God and high priest after the order of Melchizedek. Now, we're not going to spend a lot of time right now on verse 10 because verse 11 tells us of whom we have many things to say and hard to be uttered seeing ye are dull of hearing. Now, this is what the writer of Hebrews is saying. He said, listen, we... You are having a hard time grasping what we're talking about when it's talking about salvation and the work that Jesus did. We have a lot of things that we want to talk about, about Melchizedek and about the Lord Jesus Christ, but we really need to get some things straight first. And he goes into a warning of which we all need to take heed. In verse uh, uh, 12, it says, For when... For the time ye ought to be teachers, ye have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracle of God, and are become such as have need of milk and not of strong meat. For everyone that useth milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But strong meat belongeth to them that are of full age, even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Now, if you have not experienced this, you probably will. It is the one step forward, two step backward syndrome. Anybody ever been there? Now, come on. Am I the only one? Huh? No. No. We've all been there, haven't we? That's what the writer of Hebrews is speaking about here. He says, you ought to be teachers now. But you know what you're doing? You're just struggling to survive as a Christian. We've got to go back and start over again. Why do we get discouraged? How many of us have been discouraged? I mean, everybody has. That's forgetting who God is. What's more basic than that? Nothing. When we sin, why do we sin? Because we're more afraid of hurting ourselves or being uncomfortable or having someone laugh at us or making someone else mad than we are of doing the same to God. How much more basic is that? You, you just can't get any more basic than those things. I'll tell you, I, I wish I could tell you as your pastor that uh, uh, just s- the simple things of Christianity, man, I got those all down. I mean, I'm moving forward. No, we're all in this battle together. The battle is against the flesh. It's against the world. It's against ourselves. Uh, it's against the devil. And we are struggling for our survival. That is... Something that a little baby does when they're born. When a baby is brand new, that baby does not even know how to take nourishment from its mother to survive. The reflexes are there, but that baby has to exercise them. And and God has an incredible little program built in so that that baby exercises uh, diligently the, uh, the, the nursing uh, for several days before everything comes in and that baby is receiving the regular nourishment that it gets. Uh, God, God has that whole thing all planned out. But if you've ever broken your jaw or something like that, they wire your mouth shut 
and you have to learn to eat all over again. They have to feed you through a straw. Some people get into a car accident or in comas and they literally put a tube down through their throat into their stomach to feed them while they're in that state that they cannot take proper nourishment. And if they come out of that coma, just as that one woman did, I think about two or three weeks ago, she had been in a vegetative, persistent vegetative state for like 12 years, and boom, she came back. You know, I think these doctors have an awful lot to learn about before they go starving people to death. What do you think? I just heard a little blip of that on the radio the other night, and, uh, and it was several weeks ago, but it, it does happen. We don't know near as much as we think we do. There are many instances where an adult has to go back and learn to do things all over again. You break a leg, you don't move it for six weeks, whatever. You have to learn to walk again in a car accident, in, in all of these things. And the Bible says, listen, for when for the time ye ought to be teachers, ye have, one, ye have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God, and are become such as have need of milk and not of strong meat. It happens in the human existence when we are severely injured in one way or another. And it happens spiritually when we allow ourselves to digress in our relationship with God. We've been dealing, treading some deep waters the last several weeks and going through some of the, uh, uh, some of the deepest truths of the entire Scripture how that Jesus agonized in the Garden of Gethsemane for three hours before he went to the cross. I mean, this is God. We know he had everything under control. We know that he was not afraid of the cross. He was not afraid of death. He was not afraid of the suffering. Read the Bible. He says, take me away from this hour. That's the reason why I'm come. He told Peter, put away your sword. How in the world are the scriptures going to be fulfilled? They all ran and hid, didn't they? Jesus didn't. In fact, after hours and hours, the sun was coming up. The Pharisees and the scribes had had him up all night, accusing him and asking him questions. And finally, they said, if you're the Christ, tell us. And he looked at them calmly and simply said, I am. In the Hebrew, he called the name of God, Jehovah, which means I am. And the high priest broke the law of God and rent his garments. The high priest is never supposed to rent his garments. But he did so because he felt he was hearing blasphemy when all Jesus was doing was telling him the truth. And he told that group, he says, you're going to see me sitting on the right hand of glory. And three days later, it was that same group that the Roman guard came to and said, we saw an angel descending out of the sky and picked up a 4,000-pound stone and threw it away and sat on it. They said, well, we better come up with a good story. The only one we got is the disciples stole the body. So here's a bunch of money. And uh, if the governor says anything to you, we'll take care of the governor. But they refused to believe Jesus. Amen. A lot of us struggle with life. You know why? Because life is tough. And the Bible tells us that God wants us to grow. It says that there needs to come a time. It says, but strong meat belongeth to them that are of full age, even those who by reason of use have, exercise, have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. The only way you learn to do something is by doing it. 
I had a friend. He's a missionary in, in uh, Ireland now. His name's Craig Ledbetter. He's visited the church. In fact, we sent an offering uh, to help him as they were trying to purchase a building over there. And uh, now, Craig had never been to college for computer science and all of this. He had no degrees. But he worked for AT&T at their corporate headquarters over here in Baskin Ridge, New Jersey. Not because AT&T would hire him, because they wouldn't hire him because he didn't have the paperwork. But he got a job working for a consulting company. And the consulting company brought him in, was hired by AT&T because AT&T did not have the people who could do... Now, these were the people with all the degrees. They could not do the job that Brother Ledbetter was already doing without the degrees. You see, he knew what he was doing because he had done it for years. I mean, he was an Internet geek before any of us knew what the Internet was. Uh, And uh, he was doing all of this stuff. And I'll tell you what, I'd rather have somebody that knows what they're doing and somebody who's done it than somebody who has a hundred degrees saying they know how to do it. That's what the Bible's saying here. Don't sit down and write books about it, my friend. Live it. Exercise your senses. And exercise is not a pleasant thing, is it? It says by reason of use. You've got to use it. You've got to do it. And you've got to do it over and over again. And by the way, practice has never made anyone or anything perfect. Only practicing perfect makes you perfect. Do you see the difference? That's what the Bible's saying here. You've got to, you don't give a stake to a brand new baby. You don't even grind it up in the grinder and put it in his bottle and try to feed it to him. Make him sick. Because his digestive tract has not developed enough to handle it. In fact, if you took um, most young children and set a plate of cookies or brownies here and put a great big nice T-bone steak right over here, they're going to go for the cookies every time now, aren't they? How many of us would go for the cookies? Not me. I'll take that piece of meat any day, Uh, especially if it's done right. Uh, And and our church proved that at the cookout on the 4th of July uh, with the help of Brother Saravia and uh, his church and Brother Shaw uh, and Brother... uh, Palman from Mastic Beach, we polished off about 190 pounds of meat at the 4th of July. I wish we could do that on Sunday morning at the altar call. Be a different world, wouldn't it? This is the warning that is here. The only way we're going to grow is to stop making excuses and start exercising, start using what Christ has given us And when the hurdles and the distractions and the troubles of this life come along, we've got to stop playing Candyland and going back to the molasses swamp or shoots and ladders and going back to... Anybody remember those games? And you got the whole way to the end and landed on the wrong spot and right back to the beginning again. Right? We've got to stop playing shoots and ladders. Stop playing Candyland and start using what God has given us and we'll grow. And we'll be able to eat meat one day. As long as we don't land on the wrong space and go back to go. Now, if you've done that, don't sit there and throw a pity party saying, "Uh, I just can't get off the first spot. I'm unskillful. Hey, a little baby does not spend time getting upset because they can't eat a steak. They enjoy what they got. So let's get grown. 
I mean, if you don't take the milk, you're going to starve to death. Amen? So get taking what you got and get growing and get exercising this thing because there is a time where we need to leave the first oracles. We need to leave the basics. We need to get out of boot camp and basic training and start serving the Lord. And all God's people said, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time tonight. We thank you for your word. And we ask that you would do your work in each of our hearts and lives. Lord, I confess I've gone back to go more times than I want to remember. Lord, I pray that you would help us as a church to grow, to get past the milk. Not that a good glass of cold milk isn't good once in a while, but you need to handle the meat too. We pray that you would grow us to that point. In your name we pray. Before we finish that prayer, maybe you need to add a little bit of prayer of your own tonight. The altar is open. You can come and pray.